LifeWay Leadership Podcast Network. Welcome to EST. If you love the established church, this is the place to have conversations about why the established church matters, how to better serve her, and to hear stories every week about how God is using the church for his glory and our good. The show is hosted each week by Sam Rayner, Josh King, and Micah Fries. We're glad you're here. Hey, what's up? Welcome to another episode of EST. My name is Josh. Mike and Sam are on the line. How are y'all today? My yeah. voice is shot. So I traveled to Indianapolis and back on Saturday, spoke at a uh, small denominational meeting, mm-hmm. uh, Christian Union denomination, actually. Uh, fascinating cool. history there. Shout and out to any of our listeners who might be listening. I think we have at least one, maybe two. Very good. Yeah. Um, and uh, flew back and did my regular Sunday morning thing. And now I'm recording on Monday. So uh, my voice feels like I've been smoking a couple of packs a day for a couple of years. <laughs> Is there That's something we need to know, Sam? <laughs> no, so, no. Well, there was there was a few things I had to give up when I started dating my wife. Now I'm the person <laughs> many, many, many years ago, and long before ministry. And um, let me just say, her standards. Uh-huh. helped prepare me for ministry. How about that? Yeah, that's good. That's really good. So for some reason, I picture you with a pack of camels rolled up in your white t-shirt. That's just... <laughs> <laughs> no. Oh, my no, gosh. I, so I, cool. Not, not really what secrets. not to do if you want to pastor an established church. <laughs> <laughs> Very true. Very true. What about you, Micah? How's your day? It's good. I mean, it's, uh, it is Monday. It's starting a little slow for me. Um, as I, rec- as we record this yesterday was really long. I normally leave the house about 7am on Monday on Sunday mornings. And I got home last night about nine or nine thirty PM. And mm. so it was a long day. We had a number of events. We, uh, cause we had our normal services yesterday morning. And then I had, I'm taking a group to Israel in September. So I had a little meeting for that. And then uh, we had a, a combined service last night with uh, Mount Canaan Baptist Church here in town, which is a historically African-American church. Actually, for the football fans listening, it's the church where Reggie White was a part of. Uh, Reggie's from Chattanooga, the minister of defense. And uh, <laughs> so their pastor is um, uh, Trinae Jordan has become one of my best friends. And I love that man. And so we did a combined night of worship between our choirs and worship and band and orchestra and all that stuff, which was really cool. And then hadn't had a late night baseball game. So it's a long day yesterday. So I'm a little tired this morning. Uh, building off of what Sam said a minute ago, I do think we might need to do an episode on, well, maybe not an episode, but at some point we need to talk about like keeping your voice. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm with you guys on the, you know, my problem, our worship pastor came over to us one day and said, you know, look, um, music here, worship, the attitude of the congregation has drastically improved since you've been here. And that's fantastic. But you need to stop because I'm like full fledged into the worship, all three services. And then I preach all three services and then I talk in between them and stuff. And I mean, I feel it. I can feel my voice kind of hurting at that point. Oh, yeah. I do. We have three services as well. And that that's definitely a worthy topic. Taking care of it is. He drink said there's some sort of licorice that I should get. Uh, we drink that. Horrible. It's that time of year. Licorice is awful. No. But he says it helps. No, those black licorice jelly beans, are out. Black, licorice, licorice is an abomination. Jelly beans. Licorice jelly beans, one of the greatest <laughs> gifts of God. Sam, Sam I knew I had questions show. about your discernment, but you're done. 
It's probably Micah. It's That's probably because he smokes. He can't taste things. <laughs> he's tried. He's, he's lost all his taste buds. <laughs> he can't taste things. <laughs> all right. Maybe have, some truth to that. I have no transition, but let's talk about parachurches. I don't have any sort of transition from smoking and licorice to parachurch organizations. But uh, we were actually um, messaged on the Twitter on why don't you guys talk about how an EST church can deal with parachurches? In fact, I'll look up their name while you guys chime in. How- well, here's so let's say this right up front, Josh. One of the realities of almost every parachurch, I mean, I'm sorry, of almost every established church is they probably have existing relationships with parachurch ministries. Exactly. Um, you know what I mean? I think the reality is that uh, there's you're going to, I mean, Sam, you can chime in, but I, I don't, I've never been a part of an established church that didn't already have pre-existing relationships with parachurches, some of which I was a fan of and some of which I wasn't a fan of. So navigating this is really important for para- for, for established church pastors. Ralton yeah. Emery is the one who chimed in online. Ralton Emery. Ralton Emery. He's the one who asked about hat this. Tip, that's a great question. Hat tip to Ralton. His that's Twitter a great handle. name. I know. I was, was going to say the Ralton. same thing. Ralton Emery. I mean, his parents, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't know him. I don't know his relationships with his parents. I have no idea what his life is like. But I will say somebody did something right with that name. They did. I, I would say, Micah, the, in Texas, the church I took down there had no relationships with any sort of parachurches um, at all. You guys didn't even have like missionaries who were sponsored by independent organizations or anything like that? Nope. It was really? all IMB NAM. So um, we, we fostered some of them in um, very solid ways. But I will say that one of the challenges of coming to the church here in Arkansas has been the parachurch organizations. And so how to deal with them, how to, because there is like, there is a parachurch organization on every single corner here in, in Conway, Arkansas. They're good. Well, I like so them, but I would say, uh, I, I think, I mean, in my experience, Chattanooga is behind only Grand Rapids and Colorado Springs for the most parachurch and maybe Nashville for the most parachurch organizations. I mean, Chattanooga is, and I have a number of them who are members of our church. John Ankerberg, a lot of our listeners probably know John. He's a mm-hmm. member of our church and Kay Arthur is just down the street and comes to the church on occasion. And, and, you know, I mean, there's, um, we have those all around us here, and a number of our key members are all on, serving on the boards of these parachurch ministries. Right. And so, um, managing them and, – and I think here's the problem. In my experience, people tend to fall in one of two camps. Either they're all in on the parachurch or they think the parachurch is the worst thing that ever happened right to the church. And uh, I've, I sort of stand between those two. I, I love parachurch organizations, assuming that they understand the church rightly mm-hmm. and that they function in right relationship with the church. I think that this is a good place to start, Sam. Let's begin by opening up the idea, because sometimes when I speak to parachurch leaders or people who, you know, your members who are passionate about some sort of parachurch, they don't. First of all, most of our members don't really even realize the reality of why there's a distinction, you know, those sort of things. Why are these things often challenging to those who maybe, uh, like Micah was saying, just hate them, you know, or or say, ah, I don't want these things in my in my church, why would they be challenging? Well, I think one reason that they're challenging is if you're a lead pastor, you just get inundated with requests, even from your own, even from within the body. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, it's literally daily for me. I mean, I get an email or a phone call or a solicitation from a parachurch ministry or, or, or a piece of mail. If you count mail, I mean, it's two or three a day on average. Sure. Um, you know, hey, here's what we're doing. Would you like to fund us? And, you know, a lot of them are great. I'm, I'm with Micah. I'm not opposed to the parachurch. You know, I'm not, 
I'm not thinking it's the only answer for the kingdom of God, but at the same time, I think there's a lot of good ones out there. I think just challenge number one is just the inundation that you receive as a pastor. Um, even even your own even your own people saying, "Hey, you know, you've got to check this out. You got to check this out. You got to check this out." So you have to create filters for this. We've we've done a few things here. We can talk about that here in just a little bit as to how I you filter these requests. But yeah, yeah, I think that's challenge number one. I think there's a couple other challenges, Sam, that I would piggyback on top of that. I think one, if I can just be extraordinarily pragmatic for a minute, is there's always a competition for you dollars. heretic. I know. I'm I'm, I'm, going to run to the practical side. Um, There's always competition for dollars. Yep. And when, particularly when you have a church with people who don't understand what I would consider to be a biblical model of giving. So my understanding of giving, maybe we could talk about this giving in the local church sometime, you guys, but my understanding of giving is that tithe goes to the local church, right? So all right. of us are, we tithe and we tithe to the local church and then we want to do above and beyond that. We do that. And, and I, by the way, my wife and I give financially to multiple parachurch organizations or people within parachurch organizations above and beyond our tithe and what we give even to uh, other offerings in our church. So I'm not, again, I'm for parachurch organizations, but um, there can be tension when people who are involved in parachurch organizations are in your church and often seem to constantly sort of go at people in your church to get them to fund the Mm. parachurch ministries at the expense. And and often they may not do it intentionally, but it can come at the expense of the local church and the tithe of the local church. Yeah. I think another thing that is just the time. And so a lot of times it it doesn't seem to register. I'll just be point blank honest with you. It doesn't seem to register with a lot of the parachurch leaders or those who are advocating for the parachurch that it's not as simple as just saying, hey, let's go to that thing over there. By saying, let's go to that thing over there, um, that event, that prayer gathering, that worship night, that dinner, whatever, the fun, it, almost always a fundraiser. Those things require a certain level of um, energy planning, they bump something else out of the calendar. You can't promote that and something else at the same time. So there is this sort of level and sometimes um, the requirement, like sometimes I've been in a situation where it's like, okay, exactly what would you expect of me if I promoted this? And it's like, well, we want platform time. We want you to preach this sermon series on this, you know, and it's this massive drain. Honestly, that's my point of view on it. Massive drain on the, I don't know, the, the momentum that the church is already going down, the other things that we're trying to accomplish at that time. Well, so you just said something, I think, Josh, that deals with another tension. And we're going to get to, this is the negative part of the conversation. What are the tensions that exist, yeah. right? We're going to get to the positive side here in just a minute. So, But you just pushed, I think, towards one of the other tensions, and that is an improper view of the church relative to the parachurch, mm-hmm. um, rec- failing to recognize that the church, the local church, is the locus of God's kingdom. It's the organization, it's the body that Jesus died for, it's the bride of Christ, uh, that the church is the pinnacle of all Christian experience sort of organizationally in in the world, at least as I understand the local church. And uh, I can tell you, I had a really frank conversation, this is probably 15 years ago, and I won't mention the parachurch organization, though I think if I mentioned it, 99% of our listeners would know who it is. Mm-hmm. I sat down with a local representative of parachurch and the, this this guy spoke rather frankly to me and he said, look, if I can speak frankly, the local church, you guys have just failed in this specific area and we figured it out. And so we're mm-hmm. trying to do what you guys haven't done. Any, you guys haven't and can't seem to do. Wow. Well, 
that ticked me off. <laughs> that did not sit well with me. My response was, well, the way to fix that then is not to just create something on your own. The way is help local church do it better. Let's figure it out. Sure. You know? yeah. And parachurches that come alongside the local church to assist and bless the local church and help the local church thrive, those are, those are ideal. Those are God honoring. I want to partner with those folks all day long. But those parachurches that think, well, we function because the local church can't seem to do this, that's a problem. Well, in my estimation, para, estimation, isn't that what para means in the Greek? What does it mean? I was going to ask to come alongside, this whole to thing. come alongside and basically assist. You know, to para mutually mutually beneficial church? relationship. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so if a para church to come alongside the church has as its mission um, not to come alongside the church, well, I mean, then there's no sense in you partnering with them because they're not doing what they should be yeah, doing. That's right. And and to their to their credit. Um, this organization that this particular individual represented um, as a national organization does not take that same perspective. Mm. But, um, you know, my one experience there was was not a good one with that one. And, and to be honest with you, it shot his opportunity to have a partnership with us when that was. Yeah, and, yeah and, that's a good I mean, way. That's a good way to kill an opportunity. If you're, completely. If you're, you know, meeting with a pastor. Well, and the other thing is, I would say, too, you don't have to overtly say that to give off that that vibe or that, right. um, you know what I mean? That sort of impression. I think right. if parachurches, as a, as a pastor, you're right. I get inundated like everybody else does. The parachurches that I'm interested in are the ones who I feel like are not sort of come after to come after our people to sort of uh, derail, work with me to help fulfill the purposes that God has for the church and God has for the advance of the gospel, the purpose of his kingdom, and let's partner together all day, every day. We, I've, I can think of a great parachurch in our city that um, creates resources for pastors globally. And uh, one of our members is the chairman of the board on this for, for this parachurch organization. We love working with them. So when we travel globally, we use their resources to help serve pastors around the globe. That we're partnering together to advance the kingdom. That's an awesome opportunity to partner so, together with a parachurch organization. So, are our, are our uh, denominational entities are they parachurch? They would generally say no. Most of them that I've talked to, but I think there are times when they certainly function that way. Okay, I'm just I would curious. say they're they're moving away from that. So, let's just take for instance the International Mission Board and the North American Mission Board, both of which are awesome organizations that I love. Big fan. Both of which have created recently have created better levels of church authority so that you, you can't serve with either of those organizations without a full-throated endorsement from your church. Mm -hmm. And I think that helps move them away from being just sort of a parachurch. I mean, they're still parachurch-ish in, in mm -hmm. a sense, but moves them away because they're asking for the local church to be the sender and the authorizer before they negate. Now, Sam, he could speak to that. He might disagree with me, but yeah, I'm, I'm curious to hear what he thinks. Well, hold on just a second. Before we move on to that, I do want to talk a little bit about the positives and hear Sam's opinion on that. But before we do, I just want to tell everybody about Ministry Grid. I, Our church here uses Ministry Grid and Ministry Grid, and as well as us, know that uh, training your volunteers and leaders is important. But do you ever feel like you don't know where to start. That's where Lifeway Leadership developed Ministry Grid. With Ministry Grid's library of over 3,000 training videos, the work has been done for you and you'll be able to train everyone in your church. And this is training you can trust. Each Ministry Grid video is uh, features an experienced ministry leader who has been where you are now. You can also customize. I think Micah just died. It's are you like laughing at me no. because I just <laughs> dropped something? I'm sorry. <laughs> Dude, right in the middle of the advertisement. Yeah. Too. Ministry Grid is awesome. Micah died. <laughs> you can I'm also sorry. customize any of the trainings by adding videos, PDFs, YouTube videos, and more. And now Ministry Grid 
has one plan with one price that gives you unlimited access to train your entire church. Just go to ministrygrid.com to learn more. Once again, that is ministrygrid.com. We're so. big grid fans at Brainerd. We all, we have the big, huge well. platinum package, whatever it is called, and we mm-hmm. we all use it here. We love it. Well, m- more recently, I know you guys have been on for a while, but it is now an extremely affordable. I think, I mean. It is incredibly affordable. It's very affordable. And so hopefully everybody can get plugged into that. But Sam, um, what do you think? Uh, parachurches, uh, denominational entities, and we're all, we've all got the same, what I call extended family, but we have a lot of listeners that are a part of the United Methodist and, and, uh, other, you know, and the Christian union denomination, Christian unions. Um, so I would imagine with all of our Canadian listeners, we've got some PAOC or uh, C to C denominational partners from Canada. I know we've yeah, got some Presby's listening. Yeah. yeah. And I'll give a shout out to fellowship prairies up there in, uh, Alberta area. Um, huh. I know they're Fellowship listening. Fellowship Prairie? So, yeah. Nice. Yeah, it's a little association up there. I've spoken to them. They so, are denominational awesome. entities, regardless of how large or small, are they parachurches? Uh, I think Micah is correct. I, I, you know, <laughs> honestly, I, I don't think it's uh, – who cares? <laughs> but, um, <laughs> I mean, they function. Whatever they would say of themselves, that's uh-huh. how they function. Sure. Uh, and and I think a lot of them are good. And, you know, I, I like a lot of what parachurch ministries do. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, I'm, I'm president of one. So, uh, you know, Revitalized Network is mm-hmm. in, in, in its essence, I guess, a, a parachurch ministry. Mm-hmm. Um, one, one of the things that we do at our church, so real practical, like how, do you, how do you deal with all of this, you know, because you're going to get inundated. You're going to have people who um, want the partnership and all of that, particularly, you know, hey, can you put us in the operating budget, you know, or can you can we come to your church and speak so that we can get child sponsorships? I mean, there's all sorts of ways that these ministries try to fund themselves. Um, one of the things that we'll do is we have a filtering system. So I created a missions group here. They, they help me with all of these requests and it's wonderful. I'm able just to say, hey, that runs through our missions committee. Um, and then literally all of the requests I can funnel on to, to the missions committee and not have to have to worry about it. Right. Um, so we that, actually, I was going to say, Sam, we actually do that too. And, and if folks want to go on the Brainerd Baptist website and go to our global ministry page, we actually created a WUFU form, a free WUFU form that, that says up front, this is our strategy for missions partnerships. And if your organization fits that strategy, you can put in a request and it requires them to fill out a pretty extensive form that tells us what they do, what they want the money for and all that stuff. And that helps us navigate the process as well. So we're not just having to set up a meeting for them to tell us all of that. They tell us all of that up on a form first before we ever d- decide whether we're going to even set up the meeting or not. Mm. I just like hearing you say woofoo. 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 And that's an unpaid advertisement. That's unpaid. Right? I was exactly. Yeah. They'll say the exact same thing. We're sending them a bill. Um, so we, we, we really ask three questions with mission partnerships um, and, you know, coming alongside parachurch ministries as they come alongside us. Um, can, we put boots, can we put boots on the ground? Um, you know, if, if we don't have the possibility of sending our own people, then it's really not something we're going to be as interested in. doesn't mean we won't do it, but that's kind of filter number one. Two, can we form a long-term partnership? So, if you're trying to raise money for this big one-time event, probably not for us. Um, and then can we fund them? Is there a way for us to, to in this long-term partnership, sending our own people, is there a funding mechanism and is there a way to do that? And then what we require of them is, hey, we need your doctrine, send us your doctrinal statement, send us your vision, and send us, send us your financial statements. And you put those six things together, 
and you will filter out 99% of your requests. And that will leave you with the 1% that is, you know, got a lot of potential for your church. And you can consider it. Doesn't mean you're going to do it. Just means you're going right. to consider it. Once we put everyone through all those filters, mm-hmm. then then we say, okay, is this something we want to consider? Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're not going to send us your, you know, at a bare minimum, some tax statements or something, you know, if, if you're not going to send us any sort of financial plan whatsoever, even if your church plan, you know, hey, here's a financial plan, mm-hmm. we're not even going to consider you. And yeah. let me tell you, it, it really does. Or you just asked for a doctrinal statement and there, you'd be surprised how many people don't have that. Right. Um, it, or any sort really, of accountability, like a it, quarterly yeah, report totally, on what you're doing or something it, like that. It cuts out a lot of those who may not be operating as well as they could. Um, who may put on a good front, but then, you know, there's not a whole lot of meat behind what they're saying. So, um, that's how we handle it. Um, and it has worked for us having that separate group to help Mm -hmm. me and then putting people through those filters. And, and, and that really is the majority of the solution for us. Yeah. I think for me, I am, I'm probably more towards the scale of, um, I don't know. It's not like I'm anti-parachurches. It's just that. My first question is, is that organization doing something? Is our church lacking? I think the parachurch comes alongside and there are times in which you can say, I'm going to partner with them in order to do something that my church is not equipped to do, but we feel is part of our calling and our mission in this culture and in this context. For instance, uh, for the nation's refugee outreach in the Dallas area, fantastic, fantastic uh, ministry. It's a parachurch. And we partnered with them because we did have a very, um, I don't know, expressed. It's, it was part of our values. It was part of the, the makeup of who we are. It was also part of our context, being in a major city where so many refugees were coming to. We thought that, that was a ministry that we wanted to be a part of, but we were not personally equipped to do. So it was something we did. Now, there's other times where there are ministries that come and they try to you know partner with us on different things like missions or discipleship that I don't feel that we necessarily, I feel like we're already equipped and attempting to do. And so maybe we could improve upon those things, but by and large, if I've, we only have a limited, you know, finite amount of resources. So I'm going to leverage those typically towards, towards us. Now, the denominational connections that we have, I am, uh, some people say I'm a homer, others will just say, you know, I'm a loyalist or whatever. But my first question is, is that something my local church here can do? If it's not, is that something that my extended family is doing? That's where I'm going to put my resources. If I go past those two levels and can't find something, then I'll consider these other things. If I feel like it's something that is a part of our mission and our ministry in our context. So you said something there, Josh, that I think is really helpful that matters when folks are doing this. A few years ago, when I was pastoring in Missouri, we had Jeff Orsh, the president of Gateway Seminary, come in and do a retreat for us. And Jeff said something that really revolutionized the way my wife and I handle our own personal finances, but I think applies to the church here. He said, folks, understand that you'll never be able to give to everything. And he said, if you don't have a plan when it comes to your giving, you'll give to whatever hits you in the moment. Mm-hmm. And then you're going to give sporadically um, without intentionality and probably make very little difference or impact. Mm-hmm. And so he said, you know, he said he and his wife years ago prayed and just said, what is it, Lord, that you want us to invest our money in? And he's not talking about specific organizations. He's talking about areas of need or ministry. And he said, we know 
this is the thing the Lord has called us to invest our life, our money, our time in. And so the only partnerships we will consider relate to this specific issue. And he said, I would encourage you to do the same. So Tracy and I did the same thing. And we, we do invest financially in organizations outside of our church, but they all have to relate to a very specific area that we believe that God has called us as a person, as a family to invest in. I would say the same of churches too. It's going to be broader for churches than it is for you as a family, but I would say, clarify, what is it that we're committed to? That's one of the things even we've done with our missions partnerships. Like I mentioned a minute ago with the form that we have folks fill out, we've said very clearly, this is our strategy. And so if your partnership that you're proposing fits our strategy, then we want to consider talking about it. Now, we still may say no to some of those, but it helps, as Sam said, even with his process, it really helps narrow down what that looks like. So you don't have to consider as much. And that way, when you say no to somebody, you're not you're not, you're not just saying, well, I don't like you or whatever the case might be. You're saying, look, we have a very specific defined strategy and what you're trying to accomplish doesn't fit our strategy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think on the other side of that, one of the things that I require is that there's accountability in the same way that there's any accountability within our church. So all of our ministries, and that's really what I need them to understand when I'm talking to them is if you want to partner with Second Baptist Church or Saxe's Church when I was there, um, you are saying you want to be a part of our ministry. Well, we have expectations of accountability that go to these sort of things. They are more lax because you're not on our staff, but... Um, we still expect sort of, you know, you want $10,000 a year. Fantastic. Well, we want to report twice a year. That shows us that that money is going towards good resources. And we're not we're not ignorant to the reality that some of that's going to go into administrative costs. Some of that's going to go into overhead, those sort of but things. But I want to know what that. the percentage is of those. I just want to know kind costs. of how it's being spent. Yeah. And, and I'll tell you, a lot of this does, I'll be just real transparent, is the way I was raised. So... I was friends, really good friends with quote unquote missionaries um, of, a, of a different denomination. It was not the denomination I'm a part of right now. And I knew, I saw, I was in their home and I knew that they were going from church to church to church collecting checks and weren't on mission. They weren't, they were in my house or they were in our, in our city. They weren't off doing what they were showing little slideshows of, of doing. And so they collected all of this. And so accountability is a huge part of us sending money um, to any organization. The other side of that is from that same denomination that I was a part of was seeing this um, little bits of money go here, little bits go there, little bits go there, little bits go there. And from speaking to those missionaries or those ministry workers, that was hard on them because it was all coming in from different resources. One of the reasons I value our current extended family is because of the synergy and the working together to accomplish more together. I like that and I like it. I believe in it so much that I'm going to back it up with not only what I say yes to them, but also the things I say no to. If I have extra resources, I tend to put them towards our extended family because, I mean, I believe in it. That's that's kind of where I'm at. But that's just me. <laughs> you guys died. No, I mean, I'm, I'm tracking with you. No, I was just thinking through what you had said. I, I agree with that. Um, and I think, again, though, I'll tell you, over the years, my theology with respect to the local church has grown mm-hmm. to the point grown where I changed. just has both. I would say it's expanded. <laughs> I would say, well, let me say it's grown in the sense that my theology of the local church is more robust today 
than it was uh, uh, 10 years word. ago, good 15 word. years ago, right? So I have a thicker theology of the local church, if that makes sense. And so I used to I used to be a universal church guy, really over and above the local church. And just the more I study the word, the more I'm convinced that the local church is sort of the, lo- I, the, the language I use is it's the locus of, of uh, the locus of God's kingdom activity in the world. And so I just, I'm generally, I mean, I want to work with parachurch ministries. We do work with parachurch ministries. We love some of the parachurch ministries we work with. Well, we love all the ones we work with. Um, but I want folks who prioritize the local church. So if you're going to be a parachurch ministry that's going to work with the local church, make it clear that you prioritize the local church. And I know it sounds maybe arrogant for me to say that because I'm in the local church. I promise you it's not self-serving. It's theologically driven. I just think the local church is the locus of God's kingdom activity on earth. It really is. Sam, you got any kind of thoughts on that? Well, I mean, we're bumping up against time. Let, let me just ask a quick question. Mm-hmm. Um, what is your favorite parachurch ministry? Do you have Do you have a favorite one that you want to kind of mention? <laughs> well, if we're going to call them parachurch ministries, the International Mission Board would be my favorite. By I far. And I and I used to work. You're such a good. I used to work for man. I'm not just a company. Man. I believe. I mean, <laughs> I believe in the IMB. I mean, I'm overseas with them two or three times a year. I used to work for them as a missionary. I I love the IMB. Yeah, I was going to say NAM uh, or the North American Mission Board. That that was my. That is always my favorite, um, particularly in the stuff that they do with disaster relief and those sort of things. I just I love it. So you, I'll Sam? give it, and I'll give a shout out to a, a group. It's this very small, basically one person operation um, ministry called Love Alive International. So I'm just your favorite, right? So this, this mm-hmm. I'm not saying that you know the, the biggest, the best, n- nothing like that. This is just my favorite. The story of Laura Yaki and how she ended up doing what she's doing is just an amazing story. So I'll just leave it at that. If you're curious, you should go check them out. Love Alive International. Um, they're doing some great work. Yeah. Um, so like if we weren't going to do our, our big denoms, what would you do, Micah? Do you have one that's just kind of a little a shout out? If it wasn't a big denominational, you, you go ahead and first, Josh, let me think about that for a second. I would say Christar in Dallas. Um, it's in Richardson area. Just love the people there. Their heart. They are going into areas and um, they sort of are complementing some of the, not weaknesses of the IMB, but some different areas uh, that the IMB um, the IMB and Christar partner together really closely, and I like what Christar does. I like their heart, the people behind it. So that that would be something that I would really support. Shout out to Christar. Yeah, I mean, it would probably be. I mentioned um, um, leadership ministries worldwide. LMW. It's a local parachurch ministry that creates resources for pastors around the world. It's the resources mm-hmm. that we take. So that, or maybe Sports Exchange, which is another local parachurch ministry that does international mission work. Um, all my favorites all revolve around global mission work. So it would all be related to that. Fantastic. That's all the time we have for today. Check out those organizations. And uh, we'd love to hear how you are partnering with uh, parachurch organizations in your community and around the world. You can just shout out on Twitter and tell us who they are. Before we let you go, I just want to remind you of J.D. Greer's new podcast called Ask Me Anything. Here recently they talked about such topics as uh, is white privilege real? Should we stop saying the Bible says so? And just look them up on Ask Me Anything on your favorite podcasting app and subscribe today. Thanks again for listening. We'll catch you next week. You've been listening to EST, a discussion for the established church. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter, as well as subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes, Google Play, or your favorite podcatcher. Thanks for listening. EST is proud to be a part of the Lifeway Leadership Podcast Network.